Hey, this is Ross Payton. Welcome to Night Clerk Radio. This is episode 22, The Music of Unsolved Mysteries. With me, as always, is, of course, Burke. How are you doing, Burke? I'm good, Ross. How are you doing? I'm very excited about this episode. This is definitely some incredibly haunted music. So haunted, we've attracted another guest, someone who demanded to be on. So, Caleb from the Mix 6 and RPPR and many other podcasts. How are you doing? Yes, uh, Ross, I'm actually here to tell you I'm a lost sibling of yours. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I was uh, I was given away by uh-huh. the church to aliens, but I'm back now. So, oh, man, finally reunited. Yeah, finally. That's a solved mystery. Now you heard it here first. Now you're eligible for Peyton presents every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really just trying to horn in on the Leland gifts. Oh, that was better. I thought you were going to say you were a ghost, which was going to be highly disappointing. Cause... Well, that's a different update. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Oh, which no. will have a different bespoke update song that I will be My excited God. about. Yeah. <laughs> My God. So, yeah, the music of Unsolved Mysteries is something I think, you know, that has sort of laid the foundations for the current popularity of Synthwave more so than like any other single movie or TV show. It had a generational traumatizing, scarring impact on so many people, yet almost invisible in in how insidious it is. It was just sort of there, but like it wasn't like a cultural juggernaut like the X-Files was or Halloween, but it, it was it was always lingering there. Just Robert Stack in the shadows in a trench coat telling us about all these murders and all these people going missing. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. So, yeah, if you weren't aware of Unsolved Mysteries, it's a very long running show. Robert Stack, the host, would narrate about various unsolved mysteries, actual real life mysteries, you know, uh, unsolved murders, kidnappings, disappearances, missing siblings. But they also I don't know when the show started doing that or maybe it was from the beginning, but they started doing some like sci-fi fantasy bullshit with ghosts and UFOs and all kinds of uh, the paranormal. Yeah, the paranormal. Yeah. If you are somehow aware of Daria, but not Unsolved Mysteries, it's basically Six Sad World. <laughs> oh, yeah. With less, less aware narration. It's basically mm-hmm. Six Sad World. Like, it's like five alien abduction stories and then an actual killing that ended up being from the Golden State Killer. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, speaking of haunted, the show has, like, actual crimes that occur, but it's also haunted by bullshit, which makes it very much up your guys' alley. Like, I think it's the quintessential (laughs) American generator of whatever genre this show would be dedicated to, because Mm -hmm. it is very Mm -hmm. much about, like, oh, yeah, this kid's actually still missing, and you're watching a dramatization of it, and then, like... Mima came back as an alien and stole our cows. Like, <laughs> here's an interview with a bunch of wacky people we found in a trailer park, and the resolution is 180p or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did not appreciate what a shared 90s experience Unsolved Mysteries was. I don't know why. Like, it was a major TV show. Any other kid would have watched it, but mm-hmm. just this kind of came up because we talked it and like a friend of ours is like terrified of the theme song to the point where he like mutes it if i play it (laughs) (laughs) and we were like watching it on prime uh on our movie nights and like everybody was real into it and there's something to this unsolved mysteries love i did not i did not realize Mm -hmm. i'm terrified of how great the horn line is 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's that I know it's probably synth, but I like to imagine like just a guy with a muted trumpet in that fog machine mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. Robert Stack at all times, just moaning it out. Yeah. Just some nerd in a 90s living room computer <laughs> recording studio. Mm-hmm. Little synth. I think I understand why you missed out why it's so like didn't miss but like forgot it was so seminal to the 90s because like mm-hmm. i wanted to test this out i think there are people who just watch unsolved mysteries sarah is one of them she will just mm-hmm. watch episodes and i'll be like this sounds like it's like, it's like oh no this was for a lost sibling segment i'm like you're right it was when you're picking out segments yes mm-hmm. Which is half the fun of listening to All Five Mysteries is picking out what segment it would have been attached to, which is a unique game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the thing is, is, I don't have memories of watching Unsolved Mystery. I have memories of Unsolved Mysteries being on mm-hmm. because I was waiting for something else or something I was watching had ended and Unsolved Mysteries was on or like watching it with someone like Sarah or my dad. But like, unlike a lot of other television shows, I have no concept of a singular episode of unsolved mysteries it's all just like this paste in my mind of undifferentiated unsolved mysteries i have like faint fragments of segments so when i watched the first and like part of the second season on amazon earlier during quarantine just like god what else am i gonna do i watched unsolved mysteries there were segments that i remembered watching as a kid and I, I sort of have those fragments of memory similar for like uh, rescue 911 where i just have like weird traumatic memories of like various accidents befalling teenagers <laughs> yeah yeah they gotta stop jumping off bridges yeah i definitely remember seeing the show but i don't remember like specific segments i mean the the, the theme song i i loved even as a kid i wasn't scared by it but i just fucking i, I dug that shit but like If you think about it, it's very interesting because they talk about the subject matter is so gruesome and lurid, you know, all of the this true crime stuff and eclectic like psychics, ghosts, Mm -hmm. aliens. They they couldn't pick a theme. Yeah, it's that content grind. But like the production methods were so, so incredibly cheap. And the thing that always struck me is even as a kid, it was just like baffled or fascinated me. I just I just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that they would always try to use the actual people who are involved in the mystery uh, instead of actors like they just mm-hmm. like, hey, your brother was murdered. Can we use you uh, to re- recreate the last couple days of his life? We'll, we'll hire an actor to play your brother. But yeah, can you do that? And they're like, OK, yeah, that'll help solve my brother's murder. And just you cannot them. charge yeah. on the company account a trip to a small town two hours outside of Boise, Idaho. What is even the point <laughs> of being in television? that's what my question but the the look of the show is so mundane and so so cheap oh yeah but like compared with the content the story it's a it's a fascinating contrast and the music again it's made by these sort of like session players or composers who are just like grinding out music every week so they they can't exactly you know orchestrate it as well as a john williams score or anything but like man they really they didn't slack off either they were really like being pretty professional about it so Kind of unique in television, if you think about it. Yeah, Vaporwave has a look, but so does Unsolved mm-hmm. Mystery Synthwave. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like entirely anachronistic. Like, you've got this like update, but like, <laughs> if you're trying to associate an image in your mind of Unsolved Mysteries, it's either Robert Stack mm-hmm. or it's like a alarmingly permed woman in a room that is entirely wood paneled. 
on a couch that looks like it's made of fucking macrame, holding a cat that does not want to be held, mm-hmm. and talking about a relative that has been missing for 30 years. Like, that yeah. is the music video for every Unsolved Mysteries track. Mm-hmm. It has a very weird visual aesthetic. Like, when they're not doing the creative Dr. Quinn medicine woman past lives <laughs> recreations. Mm-hmm. It is just like ugly Midwesterners talking to a very old camcorder. <laughs> oh, yeah. The other thing, and, and we'll talk about the music more specifically here in a bit, but the other thing that was really shocking on my rewatch, how many of the like missing people, unsolved crime stuff just seemed like local police incompetence. Mm-hmm. And they're just like talking about it like it's nothing. They're like, yeah, the husband came home and his jeans were covered in blood, but he said it was a deer. So we didn't test or question him in any way. Anyway, help us find her killer. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah. So weird. So weird how many of those cases are like, well. Yeah, like you're alarmed by how bad the investigative practices are, but they still talk like shitty cops on like fucking forensic files or an actual mm-hmm. true crime show that's not mm-hmm. full of alien abductions and bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh, we uh, visually ascertained the suspect had guns in both hands and was wearing a shirt that said, I did it. We let him go. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's not just for that. You know, a lot of the ghost stories are like, I walked over by the drafty window and it was cold. So I think that was the spirit of LMA talking to me. (laughs) And then sad violin music in the background. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. The thing is about uh, Unsolved Mysteries is that it not only laid the foundation for, I think, Synthway, but it also laid the foundations for like the explosion now for true crime, especially mm-hmm. in podcasts as sort of a, a genre. So like, you know, reading through the YouTube comments of the songs of the theme song and just some of the albums, because we there are whole albums of its music out now. There are people who are like, yeah, when I was a kid, I was terrified by it. But at the next day at the playground, we would all talk about the murders. And our t- it got to the point where our teachers had to warn us not to get to stop watching if it got too scary. Yeah, there's one comment where a guy was like, yeah, as a kid, I found out the world didn't work the way I thought it did. Like, you know, murders could go unsolved. Mm -hmm. People could just disappear to thin air and never be found. Yeah, I do want to say that on the flip side, though, there is a fan wiki for Unsolved Mysteries for every single episode and they update it. So like you could, you know, this this episode aired 1993. Find out if they actually did solve this mystery. So you could actually watching rewatching these episodes because they're not only on Amazon Prime, there a bunch of them are on YouTube as legit things. So you can just go and check out to see if they did catch the guy or find the murder or whatever. I find that pretty fascinating, but we should probably first start talking about the theme song because that's sort of what got all the hype. There's hundreds of hours worth of music to talk about, but like, well, at least a couple hours worth that have been released. Well, there's hundreds of hours of remixed versions of this theme song because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. so seminal. Like, yeah, I've been waiting to play a sample of it. So if you're one of those people who's scared of the theme song, <laughs> enjoy.
the absolute baller theme of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. Man, it just sounds so good. Like that little piano ostinato. And then those synths that Caleb mm-hmm. loves to recreate. <laughs> everyone Fucking loves to recreate. Everyone loves All right. right-thinking people love to recreate. <laughs> everyone loves a good pitch bend. And the piano, because... Mm-hmm. He's clearly inspired or riffing on the Halloween arpeggio. What I find is so, again, like we've mentioned before, culture is a conversation. And so we go from John Carpenter and the Halloween score to, to Unsolved Mystery. So kids who would never see Halloween because like they weren't hardcore horror fans and it was an R-rated movie would still be exposed to these same musical ideas through Unsolved Mysteries. So like how many Synthwave fans are really fans because of Unsolved Mysteries rather than they were able to watch Halloween? Yeah, I always suspected Unsolved Mysteries was part of the Carpenter propaganda machine (laughs) (laughs) that rules our media space. They just never got to make the Sutter Kane episode. (laughs) Well, I heard they did. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We're living in it. There's a lot written about this. It was composed by Gary Malkin and one other person and then a synthesizer expert. I don't know what you want to call them. Isn't there a synth professor? Don't you guys have a title now for? Yeah, there's synth professor from Halloween. <laughs> synth know. professor. A, there we that go. might be That's a high title. title. Yeah. Uh, Michael Boyd uh, is the other composer for it. Yeah. Charles Judge was the guy on synths. Yeah, we couldn't find out exactly what synthesizers were used, what exact hardware was made for it. But they did. Gary Malkin in another interview did mention he used a synclaver in that time in his career, which is a synthesizer that could sample real instruments and play them back. So you could like create a real orchestral sound by sampling the instruments. And it's like twenty five thousand to two hundred thousand up to two hundred thousand dollars in the 90s. It was, you know, you had to be a professional. It's a lot of Super Nintendos. <laughs> so basically done by the, the you know, part of the sort of invisible legion of session players and composers that create most of the music we hear in TV and uh, movies, but are not like known. They're not John Williams or David Horner or any of these other, you know, Mm -hmm. name, quote unquote. But they're still very talented, you know, uh, musicians. They they're using some tricks. In the interview or the, this article, they talk about using the tritone, which I uh, y- you could probably explain a lot better than I could, Burke. Well, definitely. The tritone is an interval in music that's three whole steps, tritones, three tones. And it has like this weird, I'll link to an Adam Neely video about it that's way better than I could even do. But it, it sort of has like a, a famous history of being kind of unsettled because it doesn't really fit into like traditional functional harmony where chords kind of push you towards dissonance or resolution it's just sort of there it's it's very it's like an unsettling interval it's used in like a lot of horror music and and metal and stuff Mm -hmm. to kind of kind of create those those darker darker tones and feels there's like a lot of anachronistic myth around it about like oh it's banned by the church in the gregorian era for summoning (laughs) the devil it's the devil in music diabolos in musica So like a lot of that's nonsense, but it is one of these unsettling, lesser used uh, intervals outside of certain genres. Mm-hmm. But you, you hear it a lot in what we do just because of its function. Malkin did mention in interviews, does mention that they would get tons of letters from parents uh, saying, could you change the theme? It's scaring my kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, of course, they did. They're like, yeah, we'll turn it up next season. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah, you talk about the invisible horde of session musicians, and about the only thing I can contribute anymore because I'm not up on music theory is like I used to play in a lot of jazz groups because mm-hmm. I had a bass and hell yeah, those are expensive. I can really tell these guys as you listen through the different seasons, like came to play together because mm-hmm. like you can tell when they get bored. 
Mm-hmm. It is always the like gold panning or treasure hunting or past live ones. Yeah. Because like they'll go to like this root notes and like a fiddle getting lost in the wood sounds. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have like a new version of the update theme, which is a entirely unnecessary. It's just make work. <laughs> and it's in like fucking five, three or some like exotic time signature. It's like they're bored and they want to fucking rock out and do weird shit. And it's only going to be on for 15 seconds while an ugly person from the Midwest makes up a story. So <laughs> let's have a good time with it. And so they like, yeah, you can tell when like they're into it. And when it's just another day mm-hmm. of work. Or at least yeah, I could. Yeah. So the kilter little bit actually helped me form a theory where i posit to you two that synth and chimes are the crab of the unsolved mystery soundtrack and that everything eventually evolves to them <laughs> given enough time yeah because there's so yeah. many bits where they'll be like oh here's some old-timey like out of tune piano playing coming around the mountain because they're doing some like where's curly's gold type story <laughs> mm-hmm. and then they'll get about 30 seconds of it and they'll be like oh no wait back to the back to the creepy synths and wind chimes <laughs> yeah and it does it every yeah, time that's i kind of wanted to talk about that as a general thing like the thing about unsolved mysteries is that like it is musically entirely meant to segment it is mm-hmm. entirely meant to individualized slices of this like wacky variety show of television that is no longer provided. And yet, ironically, when you listen to all of it, it does the exact opposite. It is like <laughs> every musical genre at once. And it is paced because it is all unsolved mysteries. I know mm-hmm. one is a synth banjo and the other is like a synth like house rave or trip hop album. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is still always somehow distinctly one thing and that is it is unsolved mysteries music which is sort of amazing mm-hmm. yeah they definitely developed a house style because like malkin worked on the show for a long time and then there was like three or four other people who also worked on the show so they obviously like figured out like this is not going to be just stock music we're not doing a royalty free you know like library music this is we're going to have a style we're going to have a sound for unsolved mysteries it's going to be th- this own house style and they developed it and they stuck this this sort of vocabulary but yeah the demands of the show are such that like they don't have much time in they got to establish a mood fast. The soundtrack for Unsolved Mysteries has to do a lot of the lifting to create the narrative tension because like the visuals definitely sometimes aren't. You want to talk about Haunted? Can you imagine watching an Unsolved Mysteries episode? Not on mute, which I've done, (laughs) but like with full audio, but no music track. It would just be so fucking haunting. It would be watching Cache. Like it'd be fucking (laughs) terrible. Yeah. Like I couldn't do it. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Happy couple going on vacation in mexico go you got 30 seconds you know oh the killer's breaking in go you got 20 seconds oh this house is haunted as fuck you got a minute for that (laughs) shit it's drafty hallway it's dark it's blue you know we're using blue filters on the lights for you know whatever it's it's yeah they they just they, they had to establish mood and now yeah i did wonder if they wrote to the narration or vice versa that's a good question. I'm guessing they were like full time employees. This is one like a contractor thing. They had to be working hand in hand with the people who were cutting the the video is the only way I could see this working because they it's very well like synced up in terms of like, yeah. this is the exact mood you want to create for this scene. And I think in one of the interviews we found, which will be in the show notes, the guy says that after it moved to Lifetime in like 2001, two of the people left and it was just like two of them of the original mm-hmm. core four. So they're yeah. they're clearly people tied to the show. 
in, yeah. in some like retainer capacity, at least. You know, I wonder if the, the paranormal stuff started coming in after it went to lifetime, because I don't like the older shows. No, yeah, no, that was that was in some of the 90s stuff, too. OK. Oh, yeah, it was it was it was already there. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Lifetime is where Robert Stack kept rediscovering the spirit of Christmas by <laughs> kissing a bespoke Christmas mug maker on a gazebo of a small New England town. Mm-hmm. It was a weird film. It was not that popular. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of definitely, you know, we mentioned the update music, but we definitely you need to hear the update music. Oh, yes. It's so, so good. Yes. always towards the end of each of these selections so i always know when i'm about to switch like sides on the record because Mm -hmm. i hear the update outro music so i guess we haven't really actually talked about where we're pulling this discussion from Mm-hmm. So it's it's worth noting that at least two or three years ago, these were sort of curated and released on vinyl. So I actually uh, bought them to, uh, <laughs> because uh, I kind of expected them to be sold out, which is usually the deal when we talk about music on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, there are still pressings available. So I'll have a link to that. There is a guy, Ryan Graveface, who inked a deal to get all of the original dat tapes from the creator, John Cosgrove. And selected out of these hundreds and hundreds of tapes, about two hours, now they've released of of curated music. So Mm -hmm. this is a vinyl release. You'd like this, you can go get it. Just for people to have a reference of of what we're talking about. This is not just us digging through YouTube. Yeah, someone did mirror them on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So... Which is actually really useful because there's sort of like a crowdsourcing effect where people will comment and be like, oh yeah, the thing at 10 minutes is from this episode, this segment. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if they're pulling that from the liner notes for the vinyl or if they just know that. But I think people do have some of these songs memorized because there's one comment that was like, oh, none of these releases include the Cleveland Railroad Killer segment. I was really hoping (laughs) for that music. I'm like, so who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I kind of wish they would do more because if there's hundreds of tapes, God, there's enough you could just put together like a 24 seven music stream of fucking mm-hmm. unsolved mysteries music. Just draw a picture of Robert Stack wearing headphones, right? Anime Robert book. Stack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I also love how there was zero attempt to label the tracks in any way that would be archivally useful. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm wondering if some of this is from the liner notes, which I'll find out when I get physical copies. Mm-hmm. But um, like you could have just put timestamps in and it would have been sure. infinitely more context. <laughs> yeah. Some of the YouTube things, that you, if you look down in the comments, someone just commented. He's like, this is what the timestamps are. And I, of course, I don't know if they're just guessing or if they're just. Yeah, what what the deal is with that? But that's what I would use for some of them. Yeah, just a surprising variety. But yeah, still going back to the same style. Like I think your comment on it, it like being like crabs, like evolving into crabs, <laughs> it just always goes back to the style. Like they just have to finish that way. They do. 
I, I will say it is interesting, sort of to what we were talking about earlier. How many songs do have strong segment vibes of like, oh, I know immediately why they're playing this. I could just see the episode, not the specific episode, but the segment mm-hmm. so clearly in my mind. So even just the second track on the the first volume, the first side. After the theme subsides, it's this like cheesy ass, like violin music, like sappy violin music. And I immediately know that it's like the setup for some idyllic flashback before the mystery starts, Mm -hmm. because it's always like so sudden because they don't have a lot of time. It's always like Jane and Bill had the perfect American wedding until (laughs) they were found burned to death in their car in their backyard. Like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. Robert. Or (laughs) yeah, or like they met before the war and then he just Mm -hmm. like didn't come back to marry her and now they're old so they're gonna be reunited for a cheese sandwich or whatever the grips for <laughs> fucking unsolved mystery paid the people to show up on it yeah i mean but there, there there's some variety there are a couple tracks that when i started like thinking about them and like like i, I just listened to the whole thing all two hours of it and just sort of soak it in. But like when I started going back to individual bits to sort of like see if there were any highlights, like there was one that was labeled Cemetery Boston Strangler uh, on volume <laughs> 2B. It was kind of Silent Hills, like the guitar and like a piano. And just had, yeah, it kind of has a Silent Hill soundtrack vibe to it. Yeah, when they do ominous tones, they do them really well. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. that they can rarely resist just a fucking ripper of a bass line yeah. or, or drum beat. I think they were just doing like trying to do creepy X-Files music, but they just had too active of a rhythm section. <laughs> like they didn't the the drummer and the bassist didn't want to just sit around. So like, what if we made this slap? Mm-hmm. You could still do in like wind sounds and shit in the background, whatever. Well, they kind of kind of go ambient some sometimes, too. Yeah, that's what that's medit- what I'm saying. Like you yeah. see hints of that, like. We're going for X-Files, but it always, again, it always turns into Unsolved Mysteries. Like, <laughs> like uh, Australian UFO from Volume 2, 1A. So it had a very kind of new agey feel for me, like like Harps mm-hmm. and Zinpatch. It felt like the password screen of like a JRPG on the Nintendo. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of meditative. I, I, I quite like that. It's whatever the narrative needs. And man, Unsolved Mysteries just goes all over the place. Oh, yeah. The thing I appreciate about it on Relisten... Yeah, maybe one of the reasons why it does make such a compelling discussion for the show mm-hmm. is so much of this. If I had never heard of Unsolved Mysteries or or watched it or anything, you could convince me that this is a cryo chamber album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just got that dark ambient mm-hmm. feel to it. Like it's a little short. Like It would be weird because the tracks are much shorter than on like a typical modern Mm-hmm. Uh, dark ambient album but it, it just feels very similar and I, I don't know i wish we had found out maybe more about its production because so yeah. much of, there's so much of it is like really really nice 90s synth but at the same time it still feels ahead of its time and i'm I'm wondering like if i have the causality on that backwards is mm-hmm. stuff like cryo chamber trying to imitate those synth sounds or were they also just really really good at, at getting the most out of what they had at the, the time yeah, I mean, I mean, these composers were really cued into like what the sound of Hollywood was, what the sound of movies and television mm-hmm. were. So they were just doing their own sort of variations on a theme, you know, like we, we were talking like Halloween earlier, but like it's kind of like the second generation thing. The people are just going vibing because of that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a sort of a generational evolution of, uh, of music. And honestly, I think this is this really doesn't honestly isn't really most of it's not dark ambient for me. It's more synth wave because like again the beat okay i'd see this on like new retro wave or something like that or a dark synth uh, uh mm. album 
because it's not quite droney enough for you. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Especially being all over the place because there are definitely parts where I wrote. I think on volume two, side two B. I think I just wrote spooky chill wave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like so, a yeah. lot of these tracks could be on. If there was a hotline Miami three, you could put in some of these tracks and like people mm-hmm. like, oh man, this is, is this perturberator? This fucking slaps. <laughs> I mean, maybe a little too chill for perturberator, but y- you get the idea. I mean, you could definitely glitch some stuff out for the apartment music, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> Here's what blows my mind. Like, I actually think Unsolved Mysteries is a serious progenitor in terms of a different audio medium, which is like the true crime podcast. Like, mm-hmm. that is so mm-hmm. big with our generation. And I often see it correctly examined from a feminist perspective. But, you know, not to be the Marxist in the room. But I think a part of it is also the fact that we all had Unsolved Mysteries on every channel. Mm-hmm. inconceivably whatever when we were growing up but in creating that medium it's kind of surprises to me that like there aren't more people doing this because like seeing robert stack was never the appeal mm. i could read wikipedia while a group of synth positions just have fun behind me like that would be great <laughs> i would love to do that and i think it would sell but like it's a little odd that we've just gone to read the wikipedia article we've lost the musical accompaniment because that's what made unsolved mysteries uh, magical and that's what makes most true crime podcasts just people reading wikipedia at you <laughs> y- you need both is, yeah. is my uh understanding after revisiting the grandfather <laughs> yeah a rich multimedia tapestry yeah because if you had the synth wave like the story is like this terrible thing happened but the synth wave is saying it could happen to you next so like pay attention you might need to know did this dude get murdered by the mafia or did he fake his own death or did he have someone uh did he kill himself and he had an accomplice to burn the car after he shot himself who can say who can say I like the idea that that's what my favorite murder is missing. It's not individually threatening enough. Like, (laughs) (laughs) they're coming for you. Sarah, if they ever talk about my murder, (laughs) make sure it slaps. Yeah. Yeah. Commission too mellow to (laughs) compose my murder. Ugh. I mean, well, I mean, the true crime podcast also show, and Unsolved Mysteries also shows the element you also need is the right narrator, because like mm. after Robert Stack died or, you know, he retired, they just never really replaced him. Like there's Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix now, but they don't have a Robert Stack. There's no like narrator guy. They're just like, here's this thing. Here's this Unsolved oh, really? Mystery. Yeah. OK, I've not gotten around to watching. Yeah, I watched the first episode. I mean, it, it was an Unsolved Mystery. All right. If there is not a man in a flasher coat. Walking out of a steam <laughs> vent in what is obviously a sound staged alley. I, I don't want any part of it. Uh, that's interesting because it's, yeah, it's the same production team as mm-hmm. the original run, but I, I wonder if they just, I don't know, because the, I'm worried they just did it as a nostalgia thing because I guess they brought in the Stranger Things executive producer to work on it. I mean, you absolutely have to. Like, how do you do UFO stories anymore? Like, mm-hmm. and then he didn't bring out his phone for reasons like yeah how many times can you hear that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's fair well i mean the thing is without the narrator without like a central guy it becomes even cheaper to make because then he could like assign it to sure. freelance crews every single time and you can outsource everything you don't even have to have a travel budget just like look up who's available in a given area have them shoot some interviews and record some footage of where of the crime scene and then like go you know edit it yourself but they did update the theme they used a new composer to update it so, but it's still pretty similar. I suppose we should put a sample of the new Netflix version of Unsolved Mysteries theme in there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So it's not really an unsolved mystery then. It's just, well, it was cheaper to do this. <laughs> and it's Netflix. It's the same thing they do to all adaptations of existing properties. They just they make it worse. The killer was cost reduction all along. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But, you know, the original Unsolved Mysteries will be with us forever because a lot of these mysteries are never going to be solved. You know, all the witnesses are now dead. Mm-hmm. And the uh, criminals that got away or... And 80% of them never happened yeah. in reality in the first place. So <laughs> make yeah. it very easy case closed there. Yeah. The ghost one I can solve for you. I can do all the ghost ones. I can knock them out in the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> But the music will uh, definitely live on. So if you're not familiar with the show, watch an episode or two on YouTube to get a sense of it. But the the music, man. Yeah, again, where would true crime and synthwave be without Unsolved Mysteries? Because all those kids, they they couldn't watch the classic, the great horror movies, but they could watch some basic cable. <laughs> and it wasn't R-rated, so everyone could watch it. It was still really compelling for a kid, a dumb kid who didn't know any better. So, yeah. Thank you, Unsolved Mysteries, for introducing the world to more, more of the world to weird ass synthesized music and chimes and that trumpet. Any final thoughts, Caleb? Well, I'm just going to cut to the outro sample from that. Yep. Give me a few more takes. Uh, Burke, any final thoughts for yourself? Oh, no, I can't top that. No, we're we're going out on that. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. We had a lot of fun prepared for it because we love us some unsolved mysteries. But our next episode is also going to be a lot of fun because Cryo Chamber has released their next Cthulhu Mythos collaboration album. Um, last year was Haster. Now it's Yig. Who is Yig, you say? Yig's a Lovecraftian god of, well, snakes, just snakes. It's you know, we have the, the god of the nuclear, as a thought, nuclear god of at the center of the universe. We have Nihilotep, the crawling chaos. and But then there's snakes. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but the album sounds very good. Uh, I've listened to the first half and the second half was just released today as of this recording. So we'll have some time to absorb it. Talk about slithering and sitars and whatnot. I don't know. So that's something to look forward to. And of course, you can find us on social media at Nightclerk Radio. I am at Ross Payton and Burke is at Burke McBurkinson and Caleb. I am at Hebanon G. Cal. Mm-hmm. I'm also the author of Red Markets and I'm on a show with Ross called The Mix Six. Mm-hmm. And I write for a game called Delta Green sometimes, which is probably the most thematically consistent plug to put mm-hmm. with an Unsolved Mysteries. And our, our, for our next episode about Yig, <laughs> the album. Yep. 
but yeah, thanks for uh, listening. Uh, if you like it, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to, to uh, for podcasting. Tell your friends, tell your family and share this episode. If you know someone who is traumatized by Unsolved Mysteries theme song, this episode is cathartic. They aren't alone. We'll help them. Wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Good night for Nightclick Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>